So we're watching season three of The Circle. Mm-hmm. Social media game. You've seen season one. Mm-hmm. This is probably the only trash TV that we really watch. Mm-hmm. Like, neither of us are, we like Naked and Afraid, because that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as quote-unquote reality TV goes, mm-hmm. this is kind of it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we're watching, and these people are like making other people think that you know this one person's a catfish, and oh, they're telling lies, and people are... Texting in general mm-hmm. or, like, messaging is hard because there's no context. Yeah. And there's no, like, what's the word that I'm It's thinking? a lot of body language and communication. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you can be like, no, no, no. I'm totally, I'm totally real. I'm, mm-hmm. it's, I'm the realest, most genuine person. And then it obviously not the case mm-hmm. right <laughs> when there's no inflection yeah it's hard to read a sentence and be like i'm okay or it could be like i'm okay yeah. you know yeah. so but anyway yesterday in particular there was one episode where this <laughs> this fucking doofus <laughs> is in like a private chat with three other people mm-hmm. all talking about how this one woman, he's like, oh, she's totally a catfish. Like, I don't believe anything she says. We can't trust her, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm sorry. This motherfucker, uh-huh. this doof is in this private chat with literally the three catfish in the entire game. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, oh, bro. <laughs> when you look back on this, you're going to be like, how am I so dumb? He's questioning his judgment of character. <laughs> he should. Because he's literally talking to three liars. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. That's oh, that's embarrassing for you, sweetheart. Yeah, watching it back. Oh, and not the person he was questioning it, was real. <laughs> yes. Talking to these three catfish about one actual, like, real person. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, ah, oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, buddy. You dumb, dumb man. Yeah. (laughs) What was the fun fact that you said you had to share? It's from Zeth. Ooh, okay. He was listening to the episode about the unsinkable Molly Brown. Okay. And you mentioned her friend, John Jacob Astor. Yes. And Zeth thought it would be important to bring it to our attention. Tell me. That that's what Astoria is named after. No way. A coastal town in Oregon that we love going to. Yeah. Astor. Astoria. <laughs> really? That's yeah. bananas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how cool. Love that. Oh, God, I love a fun fact. There it is. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for that. Yeah. So there's our little connection, organ connection to Molly. Molly Brown. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like the uh, six degrees of separation between anyone and Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are now, you know, only so many steps away from Molly Brown. That's mm-hmm. fucking red. Yeah. Sweet. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to That Broad's Got Moxie. I'm Cassie. I'm Kiana. Danny's here. Mm -hmm. Chillin'. We've all got our coffee. I got some water. You got some some agua. The classic H2O. Mm -hmm. Probably what I should be drinking instead of a a latte. (laughs) But you you know what? It's it's Saturday. I don't give a shit. And it's the morning. (laughs) It is. And I will. I'm a little hungover today. Okay. Because I had work drinks yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. Meaning I wasn't buying the drinks. Yes. <laughs> so. Those are important drinks to be had. Yeah. So this morning I did 
<laughs> go to Starbucks and get a Frappuccino uh-huh. as an upper, <laughs> and then my normal iced coffee as a stabilizer. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> Excellent. We had a whole discussion about how terrible people <laughs> order Frappuccinos. I know. <laughs> but, but they are... They are a nice balm to soothe mm-hmm. oneself after I, <laughs> drinking a little too much. Yeah. I used to be a Starbucks barista, so I talk a lot of shit about people who order frappuccinos. But when I'm at my lowest point, which is hungover and trash. At the bottom of a barrel. Yeah. I pull up to that window and I go, give me a frap. <laughs> Your largest size, I want whipped cream too. You also become a lifelong smoker from New Jersey, which I yeah I love. Hello, my name's Agnes. I need some liquid fuel. I gotta have it. <laughs> Don't talk to me before my coffee. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So... We had this discussion before we even came into the podcast, don't say Who's going first? This gal. That gal. Kiana. Okay. Because <laughs> this is audio, so people can't see that I pointed to myself. That's right. <laughs> who's two? Th- who's got two thumbs and is going first today? Kiana. Me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who are you talking about? Because you know what? Oh, my God. It's officially spooky season. It's officially the spooky time. <laughs> boop, 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 Get your spooky shit out, y'all. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And today, I'm going to be talking to you about a monster. <gasps> okay. <laughs> okay. Get us real into the Halloween spirit. So I'm going to talk to you today about Mothra. Mothra? <laughs> yes. Hell yeah! <laughs> okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I have a question. So, was it last week? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Obviously, I never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. But you, did you text Danny or whisper to Danny who you were doing this week? And then Danny questioned something about, oh, oh, is she a lady? Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I was led to believe so, but now I'm Because I tell you it. what, I was fucking racking my brain. I was like, ooh. Oh, I need to do some investigating because I'm very curious now. You got one hint and you were like, I'm going to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> I'm getting to the bottom I of didn't. this. I didn't at all. <laughs> I did not get to Mothra. I've told like three people I was doing Mothra uh-huh. and all of them were like, oh, she's a lady. <laughs> Amazing. I fucking love Mothra and I love that she's a lady. Come mm-hmm. at me. Yes. All right. All right. So, Mothra, or the Japanese pronunciation Masura, is a monster or kaiju that first appeared in the 1961 film Mothra, which was produced and distributed by Toho Studios. Mm. Those are the same guys that brought you Godzilla, Mm -hmm. obviously, Godzilla vs. King Kong, the films of Akira Kurosawa, including Rashomon, Seven Samurai, and The Hidden Fortress, and also the anime films of Studio Ghibli. Shout out to Christina. Who has a cat named Kaiju. Yes. Which is cute. Very cute. <laughs> she's, got, she's got some quality Godzilla universe things. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so the name Mothra is the English word moth, if you didn't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with the suffixation of ra at mm-hmm. the end. The ra suffix follows a precedent set by Godzilla, which has the Japanese pronunciation of Gojira. Uh-huh. Which is derived from 
Kujira, which is whale. So basically oh. the RA is just like big. Big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and since the Japanese language does not have dental frictives, which is the th, oh. it's why it's Masara. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Side note. Mm-hmm. When we saw the first of the new Godzilla movies. King of Monsters. Or... I don't remember. Not the one that came out in the 90s with Matthew Broderick that had ties to Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Not that one. <laughs> but the one that came out. 2019? In 2019. Mm-hmm. That one. And people were like, <laughs> I remember reading reviews after seeing this movie and they're like, Godzilla's fat. And I was like, he lives in the ocean. <laughs> Have you seen a whale? Right. They, he's gotta. All that pressure underwater, too. For real. You fuck yourself. Do not body shame Godzilla. <laughs> you leave Godzilla alone. Exactly. <laughs> she is beautiful. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, Mothra. Okay. Big Moth. Yes. <laughs> My next line that I have written down, as you can probably imagine from the name, Mothra is a big-ass moth. <laughs> And her design is influenced by silkworms and those giant silk moths of the Saturnday family, which is like a, that was me trying to be sciencey. Sure. Speaking of moths, from our friend Maddie, I got Luna moth earrings that are fucking cool. Ooh. They're the same color as my shirt. Oh, good color. Mm Mm-hmm. Green. (laughs) Minty, mint green. (laughs) Sea foam, if you will. What else was I going to say? The moth family that she's modeled after, mm-hmm. they have are characterized by large lobed wings, mm-hmm. heavy bodies covered in hair-like scales, mm-hmm. and small mouths. The little tiny mouth. The little tiny mouth. And they are sometimes brightly colored and have translucent eye spots or windows in the wings. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the things that mm-hmm. look like eyes. Sure. Mothra is a reoccurring character in the Godzilla franchise and is the studio's second most featured monster in the franchise. Wow. <laughs> Just after Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. Um, appearing in 15 movies. Damn. Quite a bit. Yeah. There's a lot of movies, so today I will just be talking about a few hits. Okay. Unlike other kaiju, Mothra is a heroic character, usually being portrayed as a protector, whether she's defending her own island or Earth or Japan. Excellent. She's just protecting it all. She's often depicted hatching offspring when approaching death. She's a lot of eggs. A lot of cyclical life cycles. Life cycles, yes. Which is what it is a nod to. Because they were like, yeah, Mothra, she's Mm -hmm. a lady. Life cycle. Let's stamp that in there. And Toho refers to Mothra as the queen of monsters. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Her first written appearance was in January 1961 in a book called The Luminous Fairies and Mothra. The book was written after Toho Studios commissioned the work and hoped it would serve as an outline for this film. Oh. They very explicitly wanted this monster that would appeal to women. Mm-hmm. Because filmgoers at the time were mostly women. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either. That, no. The original idea in the book was further developed by screenwriter Shinchi Sekuzawa. Sorry, my pronunciations. <laughs> um, he had recently been involved in World War II, mm-hmm. fighting in it. He was a soldier. Yeah. And his experiences starving on South Pacific islands made him think that Mothra should be set mm-hmm. on like a mysterious island that we don't know a sure. lot about because it's kind of creepy, but it could be good. Yeah, yeah. Know. In the 1961 film Mothra, Mothra lives on Infant Island as an egg. 
She's fake. Mm. <laughs> and everything is a-okay with the whole situation until a foreign expedition to Infant Island discovers the native population and Mothra's tiny twin fairy priestesses. The twins are taken by Roskillian capitalists, mm. which are a metaphor for America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who want to exploit the twins for money. Of course. Of course. Mothra doesn't like this. So she hatches in her larval form, swims to Tokyo, <laughs> cocoons herself around the Tokyo Tower, and hatches as a moth. And then flies to the capital, New Kirk City, which is New York City. <laughs> subtle, y'all. Real yeah. subtle. <laughs> she's looking around. Everything gets fucked up because she's just so fucking big. She's enormous. <laughs> yeah. How scary would that be? I, be terrifying. I don't like. I don't like moths the size of a quarter. Yeah. Let alone the size of a building. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I think I would be more scared seeing Mothra than yeah. Godzilla because Godzilla, I'd be like, "What is this? That's weird." But with Mothra, I'd be like, "That's a big moth. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what lab were you created in?" I just want to know if you can explain what the fuck is so scary about a moth, not Mothra. She big. That big. <laughs> but like, so many people are afraid of moths, and I just want to know what it is. They're erratic. It's the dusty. It's the texture. Yeah, moths just aren't. When you like, think of bugs, they don't mm-hmm. feel like a bug. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't. Also, <laughs> nothing is worse than being somewhere where it's mostly dark, mm-hmm. and there's something goes like past your head. In the dark? <laughs> Terrifying. Because they're beefy. Like, yeah. butterflies are very... Butterflies are, like, dainty. Yeah. And whisper quiet. <laughs> Moths are, like, a jet engine fucking blowing past you. Yeah. And they're heavy. And they... They have, a, they have a texture. They have a texture to them. They're unsettling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Zeth is afraid of moths. And actually, it's his sister is too, which makes me feel like something happened. But neither of them know. <laughs> <laughs> it's back in the recesses of their yeah. like, like oh, we're gonna put that in a box. <laughs> Not yeah. think about it ever again. We have those little tiny white ones that aren't like nighttime moths. I think they're technically a moth though. Yeah. But they like the plants outside. Those don't bother me. But when they got those fat furry bodies. Them big flapping wings. No, ma'am. If I ever saw a bug that big, I'd shit my pants. Yeah. That's why I don't like cicadas. I saw one once and I was like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> It is weird how many people are afraid of moths. It yeah. is. Because it is a I bet you there's a word. A lot of times. Yeah. I bet you there's a word for it. Oh, yeah. You know, like the fear, that real long word. Mothrophobia. Like the- <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if that was called? <laughs> Danny's checking. Uh-oh. Lepidopterophobia. Lepidopterophobia. You're just trying to turn Lepid- it into a limerick. <laughs> yeah. Lepidopteriophobia. Very good. Fear of moths. I like mothrophobia better. <laughs> Lepidopterophobia. Hmm. All right. Leave all that in. <laughs> you talking, both of us trying to figure that fucking word out, all of it. All right, back to Mothra. Yes. Okay. So she's fucking up New Kirk City. <laughs> and this, the destruction that it is being caused is un, like unintentional. Sure. She's just too, too damn big. Yeah. 
So just by being there, she's causing chaos, and you cannot fault her for being there. No. Because it's karma. Because yeah. remember, she's a hero. She's not yes. She's not like these other monsters. They just no. want destruction. Mm-hmm. She wants peace, and also her priestess is back. Exactly. <laughs> so, she's fucking up this city. Mm-hmm. Everybody is suffering because of it. Yeah. It's unintentional. But those damn capitalists mm-hmm. just don't want to give the priestesses back. No. And perhaps, this is a metaphor... For the fact that capitalists are willing to allow for the destruction of many just to make a little bit of money. <laughs> oh! Mike drop. Damn. <laughs> the movie was pretty revolutionary for its time and made a big departure from other films since this monster wasn't in it for destruction. She's a big monster whose side you just wanted to be on. All she wanted to do was save her priestesses. A lasting part of the movie's appeal was Mothra's song, sung by her twin priestesses in the movie, played by Japanese twin pop duo Emmy and Yumi, commonly referred to as the Peanuts. Yes! <laughs> the song is still well known to this day and was originally sung in the Malay language. In the movie, they sing the song to summon Mothra from her egg to come save them from the capitalists. Uh, the twins really sound exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I have. And it has a weird effect of sounding like the same person singing twice, yeah, but at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's good shit. It has a strange like resonance to yeah. it. Yeah. It feels like it's moving. Uh, like a yeah, vibrating. Vibrating. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Also, I read in when I was looking everything up mm-hmm. that they had absolutely no issue talking in unison. Whereas like for later films, other uh-huh. actresses, they're like, "Oh yeah, they can't yeah. speak in unison very easily because it's a hard thing to do. But mm-hmm. they were just on it. Of course they are. <laughs> they got that freaky twin power. Exactly. So cool. And they had honed it because yeah. they could sing like that yeah. over years and years. When Mothra hatches as a larva, the larva was portrayed by a huge suitmation puppet. And suitmation is the usage of suits to portray giant monsters. Like animation, but with suits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The larvae suit was around 32 feet long and weighed over 250 pounds and was controlled by eight people from the inside, making its various parts move. As far as I can tell, this makes it the largest suitmation suit maybe ever because Holy it had to fit shit. eight people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was made of latex and then covered in a soft vinyl so that it would be shiny. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an uncomfortable visual. Yeah. <laughs> Mothra's moth form was a wire-operated mechanical puppet, and her wings were made of, they described it as Indian fabric. I just Mm -hmm. imagine it's like the light. Yes. uh, Light fabric. Over a frame, and then flown around with a crane. It had a nearly two-meter wingspan, which is like a tall-ass man, but sideways. (laughs) (laughs) If we just hooked Zeth up Uh to a crane horizontally and Mm -hmm. then just swung him around. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And covered him in some flowy fabric. (laughs) That'd be beautiful. (laughs) And then Mothra's eyes were given a bunch of small dents Mm -hmm. in it by pressing into the plastic material while it was still soft, giving them like a shimmering insect look, which is creepy. Mm -hmm. The first movie was a success, at least partially because of the popularity of the Peanuts, because they had broken into the U.S., which is not common for many Japanese acts at the time. And then three years later, in 1964, she was in the film Mothra vs. Godzilla. Peep the order of those names. I said Mothra vs. Godzilla. Mm. (laughs) She gets top billing because she's not an asshole villain that wants to destroy Japan. (laughs) That's right. She's queen of the monsters. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
The movie begins after a storm with Mothra's egg washing up on the Japanese coast, and some capitalists just decide to exploit it for money. Of course. Common theme. As the capitalists are meeting to talk about their exploiting, two itty-bitty fairies are on the scene. Mothra's priestesses. Yeah. <laughs> who warn the men that the egg belongs to Mothra, and if it hatches, the larval will destroy the city because they're just looking for food, like the mm -hmm. natural instinct. Um, but they don't care because they have money to be made. Yeah. So the priestesses go back to Infant Island. <laughs> they're like, okay, bye, good luck. <laughs> yeah, have fun, I guess. <laughs> back in Japan, we see what else the storm has caused because Godzilla just pops out of the ground <laughs> and wants to destroy everything. Three protagonists go to Infant Island and ask Mothra to help them because her egg, she's not an egg. Sure. But she yeah. had an egg. Mm -hmm. So they ask Mothra for help. She's not super into it because of the atrocities afflicted on the island and its inhabitants by nuclear testing. Mm. Nobody's <laughs> happy about that. No. Eyes. <laughs> but eventually Mothra's convinced and she's like, yeah, I'll go stop Godzilla. <laughs> Cut back to Godzilla still destroying everything and more importantly, about to destroy Mothra's egg. Oh, because it's out there. Uh -huh. He's just blindly doing things. Mothra shows up. A fight ensues. Mothra seems to be winning. She's wind blasting him with her wings, poisoning him, the whole thing, mm -hmm. but then is ultimately defeated by Godzilla with his atomic breath. Ah, yes. As she's dying, though, she flies and lands on top of her egg, hiding it from Godzilla's sight. <gasps> out of sight, out of mind. Uh -huh. Godzilla no longer cares about the egg. Oh, my Goes God. off to destroy other things. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. From the egg... Mm -hmm. Two baby Mothras hatch. <gasps> so we got two larvae on the scene. Two of them. <laughs> and they fight Godzilla, ultimately defeating him by trapping him in silk spray. And then he just oh. falls into the ocean. Yep. Man. <laughs> Look, girl, I've seen these movies, but it has been a long time. So yeah. I'm like, this is fascinating. <laughs> it's like I've never <laughs> seen it. <laughs> Unlike the first film, this one was shot in color. Which made things just a bit more difficult for the mm -hmm. creators. For the filming of this movie, the puppets and props were shrunk down a bit, and the larger wingspan was downsized. It was similar to the original puppet they used in the first film. However, this iteration had a Y-shaped brace attached to the back that allowed the wings to flap, and high-power fans were used to create wind for Mothra's wings. Mm -hmm. And mechanisms were also added that allowed the prop to move its head and legs with a remote control. And the original puppet mm -hmm. was also used in the movie as well. Okay. So they had, in the fights in Japan, mm -hmm. they used the new one. But on Infant Island, that was the old Mothra. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. The larvae were portrayed in this film using a combination of motor-driven props and hand puppets. So a large scale down mm -hmm. from eight people in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> and a conveyor belt was used for the motor-driven prop that gave the bodies the appearance of moving up and down. Amazing. As they <laughs> When the movie was brought to America by American International Pictures, they it was marketed as Godzilla versus the Thing. <gasps> and that was because they had to avoid legal action because Mothra was distributed by a different company. Oh, okay. So if you want to watch the American version, look for Godzilla versus the Thing. Gotcha. Okay. And I do resent the fact that they took away her top billing. Yes! Rude. Bitches. <laughs> In the 60s, Mothra was featured in three more films. Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster. Oh, I didn't put a pronunciation for this one. Ibira? Anybody? I think that's right. Ibira, Horror of the Deep, and Destroy All Monsters in 1968. 
The larval Mothra featured in Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, remained largely unchanged from its previous appearance, except that the color of the eyes changed from blue to red. Mm. And the Mothra puppet from Mothra vs. Godzilla was reused in Horror of the Deep, which you can kind of tell because... (laughs) Its colors were duller, the fur was frayed on the head, and the wings had some damage to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Mothra, but she's had a time. (laughs) She's been through it. She's seen some shit. Yeah. (laughs) During the early 90s, several attempts were made to develop a Mothra standalone feature in the new era of kaiju films. New director, new vision, Mm -hmm. you know how it goes. And a Mothra versus Began film was written however the idea was scrapped because other toho films in the era weren't doing so hot box office wise gotcha furthermore the studio believed that mothra was a character that was born purely out of japanese culture Mm -hmm. and would have been difficult to market overseas that's fair yeah in 1991 toho had some success with the movie godzilla versus king Ghidorah. And this success prompted the studio to reintroduce familiar monsters rather than inventing new ones. Mm -hmm. And that's good news for Mothra. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Especially because there were polls taken in the early 1990s that indicated that Mothra was particularly popular among women who were at the time the largest demographic among Japanese moviegoing audience. Nice. This prompted the studio to create the film Godzilla vs. Mothra in 1992 which was the best-attended Toho film since King Kong vs. Godzilla. Damn. Big fucking deal. Yeah. The film also introduced an evil rival moth. <laughs> A rival moth? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And their name was Batara, mm-hmm. and they look like a flaming asshole. <laughs> <laughs> asshole just because it's evil, not like a literal asshole. <laughs> But its colors were, like, red, black, and all that. Gotcha. (laughs) This depiction of Mothra was given the ability to fire energy beams. Oh. Which were rendered via optical effects. And the pollen dust emitted from its wings were given a sparkling effect, too, that other Mm. films didn't have. Although the movie was a financial success, the Mothra props were criticized by several people who noted that the adult Mothra's brighter colors made it look like a plush toy. Oh. (laughs) That's hard. Yeah. (laughs) And also the wings flapped less gracefully than previous iterations of the the puppet because it were made of heavy cloth. Yeah. It just feels like... A bad move. It's not going to be graceful. Yeah. (laughs) Also, the Mothra's chicken-like feet (laughs) lacked movement, so it just looked shitty. Like, the legs weren't moving. Oh, no. (laughs) So people were like, okay, the 1960s Mothra, much better than the version. The movie was also criticized since it changed Mothra's origin story. Oh. Which portrayed her as an extraterrestrial and not actually being from Infant Island, uh-huh. which made the character's motivation for protecting Earth a little less believable. Yep. The character's newfound popularity nevertheless prompted Toho to produce several Rebirth of Mothra films between 96 and 98. But these are boy Mothras, so we're not going to talk about them. No, we're not. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Why? Why you got to go and change? I have feelings about this. Mm-hmm. I think canon is important, mm-hmm. right? To know the origins, etc. But also changing things can be useful, especially when it comes to equal representation, mm-hmm. etc. But why you gotta turn the queen of monsters into a bunch of dorky boy moths? Yeah. 
Maybe this was around the time where Godzilla was a lady. <laughs> oh, maybe. So they were like, oh, we got... I do love a lady got Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> There's some gender fluidity between the king and sure, queen. Sure. So they sort of switch titles for uh-huh. just a second. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's impossible. I mean, it is possible. <laughs> I'm Maybe just take it's a drink impossible. Of this. I need some <laughs> something. Perk up a bit. You mm-hmm. need. No, just kidding. <laughs> so the next Mothra appearance would be in the 2001 film Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah: Giant Monsters All Out Attack. That's a mouthful of a fucking title, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mothra was not originally considered to be in this movie, mm-hmm. but the director was pressured by Toho chairman. Matsuka to use a more recognizable character and so Mothra being the queen of monsters Mm -hmm. was introduced. Gotcha. In this film, classic Mothra shenanigans are afoot and she sacrifices herself for the greater good giving her life forced to Ghidorah to help them finish against Godzilla. Oh, okay. Did I say that? I said that really weird. Mothra is dying. Mm -hmm. Godzilla just killed her and she's like, with my last dying breath I'm going to give my life force to Ghidorah. And Ghidorah will fight Godzilla and beat him. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fun fact, not about Mothra, but about this movie. Mm. It included a monster named Baragon, who was played by the first ever female monster suit actor in a Godzilla movie. Cool. uh, Ryota, who made her own monster sounds (laughs) 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 behind the scenes. And it's a video that Zeth showed me, and I am obsessed with it. And this is my impression of it. I loved it. <laughs> so, I'm very scared. <laughs> and the costume has ears. I was going to say, didn't it's bear something? Baragon. Baragon. Oh. Mm-hmm. It looks like a lizard. Okay. And the ears are very much almost like pterodactyl wings. Like they have like a thinner skin. Sure. And they have that kind of flapping motion. Sure, sure. Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> wait to Google this later. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier, uh, we were showing our roommate, Levi, uh-huh. the video, except Zeth's audio wasn't working, mm-hmm. so I was just doing the noises. <laughs> <laughs> and Zeth then looked over and went, yeah, that's a pretty good job. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> it's a very good impression. Rawr! <laughs> <laughs> In 2003, Godzilla Tokyo SOS was released and again features Mothra's larva immobilizing Godzilla, causing him to fall into the sea. Excellent. Mothra was given mobile legs this time. (laughs) And they were especially designed to just constantly be moving Mm -hmm. so that it wouldn't look stiff and wouldn't have the same criticisms that the other one did. Overall, though, the model was meant to look more like the original 1961 version rather than the later designs. Mm -hmm. In addition, Mothra's twin larvae, one male and one female, were given nicknames on the set. The male, who can be distinguished by longer tusks and spikes, is named Taro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the female is named Hanako. Aww, that's cute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The last film that I'm going to talk about today is the 2019 film Godzilla King of Monsters. Excellent. (laughs) In this movie, (laughs) Mothra gets a pretty drastic makeover. Mm -hmm. Production designer Scott Shambliss believed that earlier incarnations of Mothra were far too simplistic. And also, (laughs) quote, In developing Mothra, our intention was to give her an essentially feminine power. 
in contrast to the hypermasculinity of the other three characters, and to imbue her with an undeniable strength and grace, plus an ability to be incredibly frightening at the same time. But what that means is, hey, this moth's not sexy enough, guys. <laughs> How do we make this moth sexy so people know she's a lady? Exactly. Audible eye roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was doing the research. I was having a nice time. Mm-hmm. And then I got to this and literally laughed out loud and rolled my eyes. <laughs> I was like, oh, of course, because the moth, are, the moth has to be a lady, uh-huh. so they have to give her... <clears throat> I'm just going to keep reading. Okay. So the designer admits that there are a few awkward phases in the process of the new design, but they landed on longer, sexier prying mantis legs <laughs> and a broader wingspan. Uh, her body is also slimmer mm-hmm. and looks more like a wasp than mm-hmm. a moth. Mm-hmm. So... Imagine what a wasp looks like. Terrifying. Just a fat ass. Uh-huh. Mothra yeah. got a fat ass. Because <laughs> a bunch of guys Because a bunch of dudes were like, table. give her that hourglass figure. <laughs> yep. She got long legs. She got an hourglass figure. I'd fuck this moth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were all saying. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't just put boobs just yeah. furry moth boobs just some eyelashes <laughs> like those fucking car eyelashes <laughs> hello <laughs> hello the queen of monsters <laughs> um, um audiences are split on the design <laughs> some saying the design no longer looks like a moth yeah and that the changes are unnecessary agreed other things the new designs make sense though because now it looks like she can fight which I can see that argument because past Mothras don't look like they could win in a fight. No, they're and like, cute. Yeah. <laughs> and because it's supposed to be more, you know, female, it's a lot uh-huh. of like self-sacrifice and that kind yeah. of protector yeah. thing. So, okay, fine, if she can fight, but, but I don't like don't it. But we don't have to make the moth sexy. <laughs> Moths God don't have to damn be it. sexy. We'll see if the design sticks for future <laughs> films. I do not expect this is the last Mothra appearance there mm-hmm. will be. But that was my... That was all. That's all. <laughs> yep. Excellent. I just wanted to end on a sexy moth. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what were your sources today? Mm-hmm. So my sources today is an article called How Mothra Introduced a New Breed of Kaiju Creature Feature by Anton Batil. And then a few videos... Uh, one called Why Fans Are Freaking Out About Mothra's Design, King of Monsters <laughs> by Dangerville. The History of Mothra versus Godzilla by Big Action Bill. I also used Wikipedia, Mothra's IMDb page, and Wikizilla. Ooh, <laughs> excellent. That's my story. <clears throat> I love it. All right. So I did panic a little when you were like, I'm talking about a monster. And I was like, well, I hope it's not one of the four that I am talking about today. <laughs> Because oh. that would be weird. <laughs> it would really be in a pickle then. Yeah. Well, okay. you'd have three others. That's true, I would. <laughs> so, in an effort to kind of stick in theme, I was mm-hmm. like, it's officially spooky season. Exactly. You did Malaysian monsters. Mm-hmm. And then I did more monsters. And now I'm going to do even more monsters. <laughs> Yay! Yay! This yeah. is a monster mash. It, it-, <laughs> it was a mash. He did the monster match. <laughs> Look, I was very excited about something, and I have to share. Speaking of monster mash, mm-hmm. so in the seventies, 
They came out with cereal. So there's booberry. Oh, yep. And frankenberry. Mm-hmm. And Count Chocula. Mm-hmm. And fruit brute. Mm-hmm. And yummy mummy. Okay. Okay. So these five cereals all came out in the 70s. And one by one, they created a band called the Monster Mash. Really? Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> they're in a band. Mm-hmm. Right? Did their touring. They're great. They haven't really living it up. But then the band broke up. Mm-hmm. And one by one, the cereals started to disappear. So 2021 is the 50th anniversary of the oh. Monster Mash. Oh. And so the band came back together. And I bought the box of the cereal, <laughs> which is very tasty. That's very cool. It's a fruity cereal, and it has marshmallows in it, mm-hmm. shaped marshmallows, obviously, yeah. for the band members. <laughs> but there was also a QR code on the back of the cereal box mm-hmm. that naturally I was like, <laughs> duh, I'm going <laughs> to, right? What's this all about? So I scanned it, and... There's their redone version of the Monster Mash, which is oh. very exciting. But there's also like a behind the scenes, like behind the music type commentary video. Are you kidding me? It's so <laughs> fucking good. I was like, some nerd out there, God bless him, who loves the Monster Mash cereal and all of these characters and his created. A whole reunion episode of Behind the Music. I love that. And I am obsessed. <laughs> I will show you the box because it's, oh my God, amazing. The whole video, mwah, so good. I was like, this is what we need in 2021. Yeah. We need a reunion of the goddamn Monster Mash. I, I would like to see this. It's so good. <laughs> it's great. Okay, so today... I'm doing even more monsters. Mm -hmm. So basically what started this was a video on YouTube, Mm -hmm. which I don't usually do. Not a big YouTuber. I find Mm. myself getting very distracted. But I did find this one. And it is called The Top 20 Terrifying Female Creatures from Myths and Legends. Ooh. So I was like, okay, here we go. So I picked four of them that couple that I've heard of, couple that I haven't. And I was like, let's get weird. So... Kicking it off right off the bat. Medusa. Oh. Mm. Love. Mm. Love. She's great. So, Medusa comes from Greek mythology. She is one of the three winged sisters called the Gorgons, born of the sea gods Phorcys and Ceto. Medusa was once very beautiful, with a glorious mane of hair. In fact, she's the only non-monster born from, from those two gods. And, well, because we all know the Greek gods in general, mm-hmm. fucking Assholes. terrible monsters, <laughs> Poseidon, that piece of shit that he is, mm-hmm. could not resist her and took her away and impregnated her mm-hmm. in a temple for Athena. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure there was no consent there. Mm-hmm. I think we can assume that mm-hmm. because he's a god. Yeah. Fuck him. Kidnap. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 The whole bad. Yeah. Whole bad. So anyway, but then Athena... Mm-hmm. In her ways, which, you know, because all Greek history is written by men, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can assume that <laughs> Athena's actually probably delightful. Mm-hmm. But in this story, she's garbage trash yep. and was pissed at Medusa and then cursed her to be the terrifying monster we know today. Mm-hmm. So 
We all know that Medusa has snakes for hair, uh-huh. right? But did you also know that her face had big boar-like tusks oh. and a long slithery tongue and huge scary fangs? I did not know that. Yeah. Makes her a lot creepier <laughs> than just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, her hands were made of bronze and oh. she had wings of gold. Ooh. So that's kind of... Yeah. That is terrifying, though. It is very terrifying. In fact, her looks could kill. Uh, uh, Get it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. (laughs) (laughs) So, literally, anyone who looked her in the face, Mm -hmm. specifically in the eyes, would just turn to stone. So she's just a real big boner killer. Yeah. (laughs) Truly. Unless. (laughs) That's one hard on. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Oh, God, I love it. <laughs> Dick jokes for days. <laughs> okay, so the king of Seraphos at one point was just getting real tired of losing all of his warriors mm-hmm. to Medusa's gaze. <laughs> so he sent Perseus to kill her and bring him Medusa's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perseus was like, fuck me, I can't do this alone. So he teamed up with Athena, Hades, and Hermes. So Athena gave him her bronze shield, and Hades had an invisibility cloak that let Perseus borrow. And then Hermes gave Perseus his winged sandals. Oh, that's Mm-mm. like his whole thing. It's very much. He was like, you better fucking bring these back. Yeah. This is a loan. <laughs> So while Medusa was asleep, Perseus, using the reflection in Athena's bronze shield, Mm -hmm. he, like, I don't know, climbed up backwards (laughs) and then managed to cut off her head with a sickle. Mm -hmm. So, great, right? Mm -hmm. We think? No, wrong. (laughs) Medusa was pregnant at the time. And when Perseus cut off her head, her two unborn children popped out of her neck hole. That's not how that happens. <laughs> it sure ain't, girl. They're like, well, this seems to be the closest hole, so. <laughs> so they fly out, try to catch Perseus, but because he's wearing the cloak of invisibility and the wing sandals, he escapes. On his way to deliver the head to the king of Seraphos, Perseus dropped the fucking bag that the head's in. From an unknown height, because he's flying in the air with his fucking sandals, right? Yeah. So, (laughs) the head hits the ground, and snakes just explode everywhere and slither away. (laughs) It's a terrifying visual. (laughs) Absolutely. So, now, the head, which just looks like a shaved, hairless Barbie head, Mm -hmm. gets stuffed back (laughs) in the bag. (laughs) And Perseus continues to Seraphos, and he gets there... There's an altercation with the king, and then Perseus is like, well, fuck all you people, takes the head out and is like, <laughs> and turns everybody to stone. Mm-hmm. He then delivers the head to Zeus. Zeus, in turn, gives it to Athena, because mm-hmm. he's like, this seems like something you might want. Mm-hmm. And then she takes some of the blood and uses it 
to give to one of her sons to heal him, and the other half is used for poison. And then she mounts the head on her shield as a way to protect from danger. Yeah. And then I put... <laughs> because even in death, she's still fucking people up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Too powerful. Death can't even stop her. It literally can't. <laughs> Just because it's brought up. Yes. And every time Medusa is brought up, I think about it. Uh-huh. Have you seen Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief? I knew you were going <laughs> to ask me that, and no, I haven't. <laughs> but in the video that I watched, it did, it because it talked about a lot of different creatures and legends and stuff, mm-hmm. there were a lot of things from that movie that were, like, shown in clips for different things that I was yeah. like, God damn it, I'm going to have to watch these movies, aren't I? <laughs> oh, there's two. There is two. Yeah. I haven't seen the second one, because oh. the gap was so large yeah and as a fan of the books i hate to be that person but the the movie sucked (laughs) (laughs) it didn't live up to the expectations but Mm -hmm. the scene where he fights medusa Mm -hmm. it's just history i mean Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah do you remember when iphones were shiny yes like the back of it yes so that's what he uses as the reflection (gasps) cool around the corner is an iphone and then he cuts off uma thurman's head because uma thurman that's right fucking uma thurman (laughs) yeah I remember watching a small clip of that and being like, first of all, she's gorgeous. Is that Uma Thurman? Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my gosh. I just I just needed to bring that up. Glorious. <laughs> okay. The next one I'm going to talk about is Yuki Ona, which comes from Japanese folklore. Tell you what, Japanese folklore? Amazing. Mm-hmm. I could, you could just do several episodes yeah. About all the different demons and spirits and... So cool. Yeah. So cool. Okay. So, in many traditional Japanese folktales, the Yuki-ona, or snow woman, is very beautiful, with pale white freezing cold skin, blue lips, and long flowing back black hair. She often wears a white kimono, but is sometimes nude very chilly yeah and she's nude but like almost to the point of being transparent Mm -hmm. because she's so pale and so that leaves only her like her facial features and her hair (laughs) standing out against a snowy white backdrop yeah which is a very cool visual but very spooky very creepy yeah she also floats across the snow and leaves no footprints she can also transform into snow or misty vapor oh. at any moment. So she appears on cold, snowy nights and is generally considered to be the lost spirit of a woman who was left to freeze to death. Mm. So sometimes she's just very like benevolent and mm. kind of ephemeral, right? Mm-hmm. Other times she's out for fucking vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> she's been slighted. Yeah. Oh, she has, girl. <laughs> In some versions of the story, of which there are many, mm-hmm. she turns up in the middle of a cold, snowy night at the doorstep of a home asking for help. Mm. Sometimes she asks for water or to warm herself by the fire. And in these instances, she just kind of like melts or like evaporates. Uh. And, you know, when when they give her a nice cozy spot, like to sit by the fire mm-hmm. or they give her like warm tea. And in one specifically, she shows up at the doorstep, it's freezing cold. And they're like, we need to get you like in a warm bath to like warm your body up. Mm-hmm. And when they go in to check on her, there's just icicles in the water, <gasps> like floating. And I was like, oh, God, I don't like that. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a that's a trip. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So then in other stories that are a little more vengeful, uh-huh. she will appear to travelers and will essentially, like, make them follow her. And she just will take them off into the middle of nowhere until they're lost. And then they just freeze to death. No. Which is not good. Yeah. Other times she finds travelers who she can tell have bad intentions. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So then she seduces them with her beauty and either sucks their life force out or kills them with her icy breath and Mm -hmm. freezes them from the inside out. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Not good. I don't like that specification. (laughs) (laughs) Freeze to death. Okay. From the inside out. Nope. No, no, no. That's not how that usually happens. (laughs) It sure isn't, girl. Occasionally, when she's feeling extra salty, Mm. she will appear as an icy cold wind that literally just blows down the door of a home or a hut or a whatever Mm -hmm. and just blows freezing cold wind until everybody inside is frozen solid. I don't like that. No. It's not good. This story, I was like, first of all, never heard of it. I've heard of lots of different, like, angry spirits Mm -hmm. in Japanese folklore. Yeah. But this one, I was like, ooh, this is Elsa, but, like, (laughs) real angry. (laughs) And also not a Nordic princess, so not the same, but, you know. Ice powers. Ice powers, which are very cool. Okay. And let's see. Who's next? This particular character is called a Sukuyant. And the Sukuyant comes from folklore from the Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. Trinidad, St. Lucia, Granada, and then in other places in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. she is called a Lugaru. Oh. So, by day, the Sukuyant are reclusive old ladies. Right? Mm-hmm. Just minding their own business in their little shacks. By night, they strip off their skin, <laughs> put it in a mortar, mm-hmm, and then turn into shape-shifting, blood-sucking monsters. So they become their true form, which is just a ball of fire. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at some digital art, a sexy lady who's made of flames. <laughs> Because ladies always gotta be sexy. Exactly. Always. Whether they're gonna, whether they're a big ass moth, <laughs> whether they're a ghost, <laughs> they gotta be sexy. They gotta be sexy. <laughs> Why else would we care about them? <laughs> Obviously. Okay, so they turn into this ball of fire and travel across the dark night sky like a shooting star, basically, in search of a meal. The Sukiyant can enter a home through any tiny crack crevice or keyhole so literally no one is safe yeah like they're like good enough (laughs) she looks delicious (laughs) let's go do it no yeah so the sukiyant sucks the blood from their victims arms legs and other soft parts while they sleep however if they manage to make it through the night it leaves the person just like covered in black and blue bruises in the morning yeah, not cute. Mm. If the Sukuyant drinks too much blood, much like in vampire lore, it's believed that the victim will either become a Sukuyant or will just die, leaving their 
skin suit for the Sukiyant to use as a nude daytime disguise. I hate that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Literally like that. a onesie pajama be like, gonna be a new person today. <laughs> yeah. The Sukiyant practices black magic and can trade their victim's blood in exchange for evil powers from a demon called Basil, mm-hmm. who resides in the cotton tree. Oh. Yeah. Not great. No. It sounds like, I mean, they suck the life out of people. Mm-hmm. They fly. Yeah. How, like, what else do you need? Like, you can put on other people's skin suits. What more? <laughs> How could it get worse? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But don't worry. To expose a sukuyant. Oh, you should place piles, like big piles of rice, mm-hmm. around your house or at the village crossroads because the creature will be obligated to eat every grain of rice mm-hmm. one at a time. I don't know why <laughs> this is the rules. I don't make them up. I do like that. <laughs> right? But if it's a big enough pile, mm-hmm. this is going to take a long time to eat all that rice, girl. Yeah. And so it's a hard task to do before sunrise when they would go home and put their skin back on. Mm-hmm. And that's how you catch them. Because they're hunched over this giant pile of rice going, one, two, you know. I love that they're just obligated to do it. Yeah. Like, can you imagine yeah. one of them coming up to, damn it, it's a rice pile. Did you see how big that is? <laughs> I think yeah. they're doing it on purpose. Right? I think they're doing it on purpose, you guys. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Now, after you've exposed her Mm -hmm. and you find out exactly who she is because she's still sitting at that giant pile of rice eating it one by one, which is weird. That would be a strange thing to stumble upon. Mm -hmm. To destroy her. This is terrible. Nope. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Coarse salt. Okay. Must be placed in the mortar where her skin is. Uh Uh-huh. And ground up to a powder. No. And then she'll die because then she can't put the skin back on. There's a lot of ways <laughs> to get rid of skin. <laughs> <laughs> that does not include that specific. Right? <laughs> so it feels like... Making a pesto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, last one is Jenny Green Teeth. Which is... <laughs> I love that name. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. You know, I was having this thought because there's a couple others, specifically Black Ennis, mm-hmm. who I also was going to talk about, but I was like, no, I'm just going to, I don't want to be Eurocentric here, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go all across the globe <laughs> and end with English folklore. Okay. But Jenny Greenteeth, Black Annis, and there's another one that I was like, God damn, those are good names. <laughs> okay. So, Jenny Greenteeth is sometimes referred to as Ginny instead of Jenny, right? Or just Wicked Jenny. So, Jenny Greenteeth is said to be an angry water spirit with a taste for humans. She has mottled green skin, razor-sharp teeth, long, swirling hair, and is just covered in a layer of slime and algae. Mm-hmm. Very slippery, this one. <laughs> So, Jenny lives in bogs, ponds, and sometimes around, specifically around the banks Mm -hmm. of, like, a river or a stream. 
She hides just below the dark surface of the water. If anyone gets too close, she reaches up out of the water with her arms that are spindly and just kind of look like dead sticks. Uh-huh. And grabs them and pulls them under the water and holds them there until they drown. And then she eats them because, of course, she does. <laughs> Girls got to eat. Yeah. He's like, mm, going to get myself a little, uh, mostly just young children okay. and elderly. Right. Because they're weak prey. <laughs> they're weak and vulnerable. And, like, of course. Yeah. So Jenny Green Teeth is associated with duckweed, which is uh, this plant, duckweed, is often called Jenny Green Teeth or Wicked oh. Jenny, just in like a colloquialisms. Uh-huh. So duckweed is a plant that gathers on top of either slow moving or like stagnant water. Mm-hmm. It forms in big, thick clumps or mats. Yeah. Right? At the surface of the water. So basically, when it has formed into these big, thick mats, it looks like solid ground. It looks like you could just oh. walk across it. Like it's like it's covered with moss or something. Mm-hmm. Right? Just, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it looks like solid ground, like it's sturdy enough to walk on. However, if you're not careful, you fall right through it when you step on it into the water. And you either can't find... Your way to the surface because everything is dark because it's all covered with this plant material. Or you just can't, like, find a place to get out of the water. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Jenny Greenteeth is considered a boogeyman. Mm -hmm. Just to clear everything up, a boogeyman doesn't necessarily have to be a man. (laughs) However, it is a type of folkloric being Mm -hmm. that is often made up to frighten children. Mm Mm-hmm. For oh. either moral or for safety reasons. Okay. So. Things are starting to fall into place Exactly. Here. <laughs> so Jenny Green Teeth is this plant. So when people, when adults talk about Jenny Green Teeth, it's this plant that is, that can be very dangerous mm-hmm. if children or elderly, elderly people go near it because they'll yeah. just fall into the water. But they use it as a boogeyman, much like my grandmother did to keep me out of the basement because it was dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Like, don't go over there, because the Jenny Green Teeth will get you. That is, it's a scary monster. I would stay away. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And fun fact, I have a, so I have a question. Have you ever seen the movie Legend? Mm. No? What is it? It's a fantasy film from 1985. Okay. Starring Tom Cruise before he got his teeth fixed. Uh, Then, no. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I've seen many Tom Cruise films. (sighs) Okay. I think the this two is the I only the, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out hard here. Legend uh-huh. and Interview with a Vampire mm. are the only two movies with Tom Cruise uh-huh. that are worth watching, <laughs> in my opinion. I would like to throw out The Outsiders. Also, The Outsiders. Okay, three. <laughs> After that, though, garbage trash. Don't watch them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Once he gets his teeth fixed, he gets too big for his britches. <laughs> Probably some of that Scientology too. Oh, that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, in the movie Legend, which is great, it's very cool, there is a lake monster called Meg Mucklebones, who is <laughs> fucking terrifying. I remember watching this movie as a child, and mm-hmm. I liked it because it's a cool adventure fantasy movie, mm-hmm. but Meg fucked me up. <laughs> very scary. She's probably a reason why I'm afraid of water. 
Oh. Dark water, specifically. So anyway, Meg Mucklebones, terrifying, uh, was inspired by the legend of Jenny Greenteeth. Meg Mucklebones does sound like... Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you see her. She's fucking scary as shit. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to be afraid. <laughs> and yeah. she... And she talks like this in the movie about his tasty bones. Uh, I don't... Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend it. I don't it. like this. Slime. Everything about her is slime. Terrible. Not my friend. She's very scary. Texturally, she's scary. <laughs> Visually, she's, she's scary. Bumpy but slimy. Mm-hmm. Not good. She is. She <laughs> is. She's like an underwater Baba Yaga for sure. Sans house with chicken feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you know? Maybe it has duck feet. Ooh, we should write a story. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Those are all of my monsters for today. So I used that YouTube video that I told told you about up front, but then also like a little splash of Wikipedia here. Mm-hmm. Cryptid Wiki oh. mm-hmm. was also a good one. I think there was one called like Legend Wiki or like Lore Wiki or something. There's mm-hmm. a lot of wikis. Yeah. Just some random bits and bobs that I pulled from places. Cool. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I Thank a, you. What a lovely I Halloween love, episode. Oh, I love monsters. <laughs> I love them. All right. Well, everyone, mm-hmm. if you enjoyed that episode and would love to come back and join us for even more spooky ukies, mm-hmm. you want to follow us more, see <laughs> photos and all that good stuff. Oh, my God. Did you see the eye roll I got from this one just now? No, I was too busy trying to control the body sounds. So I was about to. <laughs> Please follow us on all of our. Oh my gosh! There it was. There it went. I felt it. <laughs> I heard it. Please follow us on our social medias. Mm-hmm. On Facebook and Instagram, we are at that broad's got moxie, and on Twitter, we are. Broads got Moxie. Mm-hmm. And please, wherever you are listening, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe. We'd love to hear what you think about us. We like five stars. Yes, um, that, just, you know, do it. Yeah. Pop in. Give us some love. Mm-hmm. Also, comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, all of the above. Go ahead and send us an email. You can reach us at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all we got for you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick it to the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.